Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. We're going to Luke chapter 17 today. Thank you. Luke chapter 17, if you want to turn with me, uh, we're going to read a passage of scripture and um, want to just share a little bit. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Hopefully you enjoyed the time of rest, a little bit of extra time off with family um, and had a chance to rest and recover and celebrate. Um, I was reading this week that uh, it's only in America, it says that it's only in America that we will trample each other to buy more stuff exactly one day after celebrating how thankful we are for, for what we already have. And, um, you know, I know that uh, most of the shopping, at least this year, was probably done online, but it always feels like a very abrupt end to feelings of thankfulness and gratitude. And so I have carefully curated your post-Thanksgiving sermon today, and I want to talk to you about staying thankful. Staying thankful. If you don't like that title, you can, here's a little bit one more punny, we'll talk about thanks living. Because I believe that for the Christian, Thanksgiving shouldn't just be a card that we pick up in a grocery aisle. It shouldn't just be a one time of year emotion or a cliche that we adopt, but it really should be something that we can develop as a daily practice in our lives, something that is developed day to day. I want to read a story uh, sandwiched here, kind of in the middle of Luke's gospel that has always struck me and uh, demonstrates to us, I think, this principle. And I want to talk to you about what 10 men in quarantine can tell us about gratitude. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. The Bible says, on the way to Jerusalem, he, the he in this passage is Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered the village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. Of course, they had to stand at a distance because in this day, the part of the devastating effects of leprosy wasn't just what was happening physically, but it also meant you living your life in complete isolation. And so there was colonies of people pushed out and exiled by society, struggling with deadly disease and forced to live in their own sort of colonies of sickness and disease. And so they stood at a distance and they cried to Jesus saying, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go now and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Verse 15 says, then one of them, say one of them, one of them turned back. Or when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus's feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan and Jesus answered were not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Was, was no one found to return and give praise to God except this one foreigner? And he said to them, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Let's pray one more time. God, we thank you today for the opportunity that we have to hear your word and to receive it. We pray that you bless it to our ears and to our lives. And I pray that it would fall on good soil today that you'd help us to be a people of gratitude in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's worth noting this morning that the passage we read, giving thanks was not simply a condition of the heart or an attitude. It was an action. 
The Bible said nothing about the heart condition of these lepers. Of course, all 10 of them were healed and presumably they would have been happy that they were healed. But the Bible makes specific mention of only one person who had the action of turning around to give thanks to God. It was more than just a feeling that he had. I love the way that Psalm 170 says this, or 107, it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Because if God has done anything in your life, it's important that we tell that story. It's important we tell the story of his goodness and of his generosity because simply feeling thankful is not enough. I think the challenge for us today is not to feel more thankful as we leave this place, but to stay thankful, to live a life that is ready, readily gives thanks to God. And it is to declare God's goodness toward us towards us, because if we are to feel thankful, but to not express it, it's a lot like having a faith without works. It, it loses its power. And so gratitude, I really believe, produces something powerful in our lives. Staying thankful has this ability to produce something powerful. Did you catch what happened in the text? There were 10 men bound by quarantine, now miraculously healed, but only one person turned back to give thanks. And I thought to myself, how does this happen? How does only one person, because you know, you've been to a dinner party before and it's like once one person says thank you, it's like, oh yeah, thank, thank you, thank you. Everybody starts saying it. So one person's like, oh, I think I should go back and say thank you, but he was all alone in his journey back to Jesus. Only one person there, 10 of them experiencing the same miracle, but only one person had the sense enough to stop and, and, and to thank God for what he had done. I thought to myself, I don't want to be like the nine. I want to be like the one. I want to be to live my life in a way like the 10% that turns back around to thank God that doesn't just settle for the miracle that he does in my life, but returns back to tell the testimony of his goodness and his faithfulness. For even the word testimony, let me remind you, the word testimony simply just means do it again. And so we can experience one miracle, but when we tell the story, it produces something powerful in our life. I've learned in my life that many people will accept God provisionally, but few people will experience him personally. See, many people would be happy with what God can do for them. You don't even need to be a Christian for that. I'll take whatever God will give me. But few people will stop long enough to thank God and experience the person and the intimacy with our God. We can accept the provisions that God has for us, but I want to live my life in a way that doesn't just settle for what God can do for me, but realizes that the, the relationship and the character and the heart of our God. I've said this before, but, but part of the revelation that I think makes this man so special is because he understood God is not simply useful to me. God is beautiful to me. That's what gratitude will do. It'll teach me that God is... I'm not, this isn't just a transaction of what I can get from God. That's provision. I'm thankful for it. But I want to know God personally. And I think that's the revelation that, that made this man so different. For on that day, nine were healed, but only one person was healed and saved. That's the power of gratitude. I want to give you three thoughts today on staying thankful. Three thoughts as we leave this place to help us to live a life of thanksgiving. Here's the first one. Gratitude is my thank you note to God. Gratitude is my thank you note to God. I can remember, as we celebrate the holidays, I'm reminded of my own childhood. 
Because when, whenever I got a gift for Christmas, my mom, when, whenever I opened something, whether it was Christmas or my birthday, my mom would always make me write a thank you card for that, no matter how big or how small. My, we had, I don't know if you can relate to this, we had a thank you card drawer in our house. And any time that I got a gift, my mom would take that gift from me and she would say, go write your thank you note. Before I could ever use the gift, before I could ever uh, enjoy playing with the gift, I had to write a card that was handwritten and, and signed and addressed. And I had to give that back in order to use the very thing that my mom had given me. And you know what? I'm thankful now a little bit later in life because it taught me that every blessing that I received didn't just fall into my lap. The blessings that I received came to me because of somebody else's generosity. And that's what I think gratitude can produce in our life. It teaches me that every good thing in my life comes to me from God. That's what James says. James, in, in, in chapter uh, 1, verse 17, he says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from God above, coming down from the Father of light, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Now think about this today. Every good thing in your life, every beautiful thing in your life, every blessing that you have comes to you as a gift from God himself. That every provision that you've experienced, every blessing, every testimony, every miracle, every opportunity, every person that has been good to you in your life came to you because of a gift from God. It's a thank you note back to God and, and that everything in our life, let me just remind you today, God loves to give and he, he is not a sloppy gift giver, if I can say it that way. God gives us good gifts. And see what happens when we are grateful. James says that his goodness and his generosity never change. And so even though everything around me in my world is changing, and even the good gifts in my life may change, God never changes for he loves to give and he gives me good gifts. Let's go old school for all the church people. God is good and all the time. Come on, clap your hands and thank God. He's always good. And that never changes. And part of what I think staying thankful teaches me is that I put myself in a posture to recognize God in his, in his good gift-givingness. I know that's bad grammar, but it's good theology. Recognizes God's good gift-givingness. That he gives me good gifts and everything in my life that is good comes from God. See, gratitude, it teaches me my source. It teaches me the source that everything good in my life comes from God and it helps me to see my life in the bigger story of God's goodness and of his faithfulness and of his provision. To understand that, that whenever I experience a blessing, it didn't just simply fall into my lap. When I get a good thing in my life, it wasn't good karma that brought that to me. When I have something that, is, is, that makes me happy or something that I can rejoice in or a reason to praise, that, that didn't just simply happen because I worked hard for it. No, God brought that to my life. God led that to me to begin to experience that every good gift in my life comes to us from God. I was reading this week, studying for this message, and I could be wrong about this, so you can email me if I am. But you know what I was studying in the Bible? that there is not one place that I could find where people thanked each other. Now, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm not saying don't be thankful. I'm not saying don't say thank you. You should say thank you. There's wisdom in saying thank you. 
But I couldn't find one place that people thanked each other. Every time in the Bible, it was, I thank God for you. Or I thank God because of what you've done. And I thought to myself, man, this, this is teaching us something really interesting because I think that part of what, what, in order to stay thankful, I need to know who to thank. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be thankful to each other, but I'm, what I am telling you to do is to, to make sure that we're not saying thank you to everybody else but him. We understand that every good thing, yeah, thank you for bringing it to my life, but I thank God for that because God brought it to my life. And everything, if, if more than anything else, if every good thing comes from him, then he deserves the praise and the thanks first. So don't forget your thank you note. Look at your neighbor, tell him that. Say, don't forget your thank you note. That's what gratitude will do. And so often I think this is difficult for us to embrace Gratitude is possibly the most difficult emotion to feel because we are all so infected with discontent. One of the traditions growing up around my Thanksgiving table, and we do it with our college students for Friendsgiving, is I'll make everyone go around and say the things that they're thankful for. Do you do this? I love the opportunity that we have, but you know what I like the most is watching people struggle to find reasons to be thankful. Because it's like once one person says something, it's like everyone, you know, oh, I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my friends. And oh, yeah, I'm thankful for that, too. And I find it interesting because it's we often all of us will struggle to find reasons to be thankful. But how many know it's not a struggle to find reasons of things to complain about? Oftentimes, I think the things that we are discontented with or the things that we will readily complain about is 10 times the list of things that we will readily thank God for. Even on our way to church this morning, there could be people that rolled up today, got outside of their house and thought, oh man, I'm driving this old thing again. Thinking that, oh, this old car. Someone would, be, someone would love the car that you have. You woke up this morning next to your spouse. and No, come on, so stop. <laughs> it's too real. Drum. <laughs> because I think we have so confused happiness with gratitude that if we think that we are not happy, then we have no reason to be thankful. And it's a lie to think that these two things are so conflated because what will happen is we'll always end up waiting on the next thing to make us happy. And we think that we'll be thankful when we get the next raise or when we get the next paycheck or when we get to the next season of life or when we get to the next relationship or when we get to the next vacation. And if I can only get to the next thing, then I'll finally be happy and then I'll have a reason to be thankful. Haven't you noticed this? We're always waiting on the next thing. You think, oh, I can't wait to graduate college. And then you graduate. Oh, I can't wait to uh, get married. And then you get married. And it's, oh, I can't wait to have kids. And you have kids. And then, oh, I can't wait until, uh, you know, the kids are, are potty trained. And it's okay. I, and it's like, oh, I can't wait till they go to school. And then they go to school. And it's like, oh, I can't wait till they're out of the house. And then they're out of the house. It's like, I can't wait to spend time with them again. <laughs> We're always waiting on the next thing. And it's because we've conflated this idea that if, if, if I can finally have something else to make me happy, then I will finally be thankful. But maybe today what is needed in your life is not the next level of achievement. Maybe what is needed is the next level of appreciation for what God has already done. Because I've just learned you can either take things for granted or you take them with gratitude. 
You either take things in your life for granted or you take them with gratitude. I'll just tell you today, if you want to learn how to see the good in your life, practice staying thankful. You want to learn how to see the blessings of God? Start thanking God. See, gratitude is our thank you note that points us and every good gift in our life should point us back to God. It's our thank you note. Thank you, God, for what you have brought into my life. But secondly, gratitude, it, it should return me back to God. Jesus said this. He said, the part that always struck me about this story is Jesus' question. He said, where are the nine? Were not 10 cleansed? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner. What's interesting to me is, you know, Jesus never commanded them to be thankful. He said, go to the priest. He didn't say, go to the priest and then come back to say thank you and appreciate and worship me. No, he just said, go. And even though it wasn't a command, you can see it was an expectation. Because anytime that we have experienced something good in our life, the expectation is that our response is to return back to God, to say thank you, to recognize that that really the, the good things in our life, they all point back to God. And you think, you know, Jesus, he expected this among all of the people that experienced the same miracle. And I, I thought to myself of these, these lepers that they would think, well, well, you know, I did what he asked me to do. In fact, the one that was thankful didn't actually do the thing that God asked him to do. He didn't go to the priest. He saw that he was healed and was like, oh, I gotta go say thank you to the one that made this happen. The other ones did the very thing that God had asked them to do. And you think, well, I followed his command and so now I'm healed. And it, as if it was their obedience that merited the miracle. And it's silly for us to maybe think like that, but this is how we treat our relationships with God. See, if you think of Christianity as something to do, as if you can transact with God in order to earn something, then you'll have no reason to be thankful. But if you see Christianity as something that was done for you, then our posture is always the same. At the feet of Jesus saying, thank you, God. I couldn't earn this. I don't deserve this. There's nothing I could have done to make this happen. And so we don't, we don't, we don't, we're not obedient to God in order to get something from God. It's already been done. And so it's a joy to begin to worship God and say, thank you, God, for everything that I've been given. See, it should return us back to God. I love what the author G.K. Chesterton said. He said that I would maintain that thanks are the highest form of thought and that gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. Woo-wee. I think our, our world can use a lot more of that wonder. You think about what he's saying. He's saying of all, all the words, the millions of words in the English language, of all of the, the wisdom of scholars and academia, the highest form of thought is a thank you. The best thing that you could ever think is a thank you. It, it's to, to begin to orient your life around saying thank you to God. See, staying thankful is not just thanking God for what he has done. Yeah, that's part of it. When I thank God for what he's done, that's like, that's the same as manners. That's level one. But there's gotta be a place where we understand that even the good things that God has brought me is meant to return me back to God. 
It's meant to point me back to God. See, see, it helps me to understand that, that, that God's goodness and blessing, it, it comes from God, but it's also meant to point me back to God as my source and as the ultimate goal. I'll explain it to you this way. We, our son now, Everett, is two years old, and we, we're having a fun Christmas because we're getting a chance to teach him about all the Christmas things, and we're teaching him about, you know, the, um, the Christmas season and baby Jesus and Santa and, and one of the movies that we were watching together is, um, it, it was all these little elf people singing, Don't You Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day. And it sounds sweet, doesn't it? It's like, oh yeah, we, the magic of Christmas, we wish it could be every day. The more I thought about it, that sounds awful. If it was Christmas every day, you think of how we would either end up bitter or broke. That's just what would happen. Because I think it points to this funny thing that even the good things in our life aren't meant to bear the weight of ultimate satisfaction. They're all, they all have expiration dates. You think of your favorite food. Many of you, it was Thanksgiving food. My favorite food is tortilla chips, but there's only so many tortilla chips that I can eat before I get sick and never want to see another one again. You think of the, your favorite people. You can only be around them long enough in order that they're not your favorite anymore. You think of all of the good things in our life, everything in life has an expiration date. None of it is meant to last forever. It's all meant to point us back to the one who does last forever. See, Ecclesiastes chapter three, I think it's the famous verse, but that's the sentiment behind what I think the, the teacher is telling us. He says, God, he has put eternity in the human heart. It's that nothing in our life is meant to last forever. There is this desire in all of us that only God can fill. And you think of all the good things in our life, we can, maybe the story of all of our lives, the story of human history has been using temporal things to fit eternal needs. It doesn't work because there is this desire in all of us that only God can fill in his eternity. Goodness and the good things in our life are meant to point us back. The gifts in our life should point us back to the gift giver. You think of all the things that we like and admire about each other, like honesty and love and kindness and generosity. All of those qualities are but reflections of God's own character and his qualities. You think of all of the, the good things that we would enjoy or the desires that we have, even down to the deepest core of our soul, the desire we have for security or the desire we have for happiness, the desire we have for health or for, for fulfillment. All of that is just pointing us to the desire behind every other desire. It's, it's, the, it's the eternal God for only on him can the weight of ultimate satisfaction fall. Everything in our life has an expiration date and no matter how hard we try, we cannot be eternal apart from God. Let me tell you why this matters. Because staying thankful, it guards me against the lie that I don't need God. That's what it does. Staying thankful, it frees me from, from the, the insanity of trying to be eternally fulfilled with anything else except God. See, it's not just saying, God, thank you for the things that you've given me, but it's recognizing all of these things that I so enjoy about my life are pointing me back to God. Because he's the thing. He's the desire beneath every other desire. He's the one that I really need. He's the one that I really want. And he's the only one that can fulfill me forever with no expiration date. Come on, clap your hands and thank God. 
Jesus said this. He said, after such a miracle, would no one be found to return but one? Every gift that God gives me is not meant to be permanent, but meant to point me back to him. Paul in Romans 1 lays out his argument for the fall of humanity, where we've gotten it wrong. And he kind of sums it all up to say that all of the sin, the core issue for every sin that we see in the world, he says that all of humanity's problems, the war, the recession, the brokenness, the injustice, the turmoil, the pain, all of it comes down to this. He says, they, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. See, all of humanity's problems come down to a failure to give thanks. That's what Paul says. What a profound thought that is. That in our ingratitude, we have chosen the gift over the gift giver. And that's what ruined us. That's where it went so wrong for many of us. That in our, in our, our failing hearts, failing to return back to the, all of the signs pointing us back to God. Because I've learned that what you don't return to God in praise will ultimately result in pride. It's the way that it goes. It's where things go so wrong because I'll say it this way. Rebellion against God doesn't start with anger. It starts with failing to say thank you. Discouragement, doubt, disillusionment, deconstruction. It doesn't start with bitterness. It starts with failing to say thank you. It starts with failing to acknowledge God and to see him as God and to see him as the, the only eternal fulfillment and satisfaction that I have. But staying thankful is meant to return me back to him for whom my very heart was created. Staying thankful returns me back to God as the one, as the deepest desire that I have, as the only one that can truly fulfill me. Gratitude is my thank you note, but it returns me back to God. And finally, gratitude, it teaches us to live well. I've often found in, in studying for messages, I'll come across different studies um, that are done. And it's interesting to me that much of science and the things that I'll read, ultimately, they just confirm what God's word has been trying to tell us. And so there's this study that was done in, UC Berkeley, they took 300 subjects and they, they studied how the effects would happen of practicing gratitude. And so they found that actually the study, was, it said that gratitude is the new miracle emotion. That's what they were saying. Well, gratitude, it said it produces three things in your life. Number one, it in, improves the quality of your life. It says that gratitude has long lasting effects on our sleep, on our mood and on brain function because it's the highest thought. And that statistically, people who practice gratitude have a much higher quality of life than people who don't. Secondly, it said that gratitude can unshackle us from toxic emotions. It says that increasing in gratitude, even down to a, a, a biochemical level, gratitude actually displaces feelings of bitterness and fear and shame from our lives. They said that gratitude is the antidote to toxic living. And lastly, gratitude, the, the, maybe the most um, amazing part of this study is it says it frees us entirely from anxiety for gratitude and anxiety cannot coexist in the brain at the same time. We believe, listen, yes, it's amazing. But that's just science. 
That's just confirming what God's been trying to tell us, that gratitude is good for you. It's good for your soul. Listen, we believe in mental health. We believe in counseling. All that's important. Therapy is important. But God's remedy is saying, before you try all of that, just start by being thankful. Just come up with a list of ways in which you can express your thanks to God. It's, it's a powerful thing. And literally, it's, it's like the choice is either you can be thankful or anxious. You may not have thought that the, the opposite of anxiety is thankfulness teaches us to live well. I think sometimes we have this idea where we'll read and we'll think that the Bible's asking me to do something and we'll think it's just a bunch of rules. We think that, you know, let me just say this. God's not asking you to be thankful because he's a narcissist. He's not going like, oh, I just wish they would like applaud me more. I just wish that they would like say thank you more. I want more cards. God's not asking for that. Gratitude's more for you than it is for him. And see what gratitude actually teaches me to live well. And could it be that God knows even better than we know what it means to live well? I want to live my life well. I want to live my life in the story of like the one person to think that even in the middle of the the situation that he was in, experiencing a miracle, he was stayed thankful. I believe you can't live well apart from staying thankful. Why do you say that? Because this is what that giving thanks will do it. It produces in us a soil of our hearts that that cynicism can't grow in. Gratitude produces a a soil in our heart that bitterness cannot grow. Unforgiveness cannot grow. Anxiety cannot grow. Verse 19, Jesus says to the man, the grateful man, he says, rise and go for your faith has made you well. Literally, the words made well there are saved or to be made whole. Because God knows what it is to to live a life well lived. See, many of us here today, you may have walked in struggling to see God's goodness in your life. You may have been questioning God's existence or his goodness or his presence. But could it be to the, the remedy, the word that God would have for you today is to stop be thankful. God's will for your life is to have a grateful heart. That's what 1 Thessalonians 5 says. It says that in everything, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. God, what do you want from me? Be thankful, he says. I thought to myself reading this passage, give thanks in everything, really? Like in everything? Everything? I thought, God wants us to live well. And, and gratitude, I think nothing teaches us to live well quite like gratitude can. See, the Bible doesn't say give thanks for everything. It says give thanks in everything. And that's an important distinction that we have to make because even it's easy to be thankful in hindsight, but in the middle of it, can you be thankful right where you are today? Can you have a grateful heart? Even in your circumstance, what you, the season of life that you're in today, can you come up with a list of reasons to thank God, to return you back to him in worship? 
God wants us to be, let me just say this, God's will for your life is not just to make you right. It's to make you well. It's not just to like wipe away the, the mistakes that we wish we could get rid of. That's part of it. But God's will is to make us well. He wants us to live a life of wholeness. I thought, man, the person that can give thanks in any situation, that's a life well lived. That's the 10% kind of thanks. A person that even can have gratitude in, in the space. And I, listen, I, I know that many people would be here and think, you know, in the middle of what I'm faced with, real pain, why would I give thanks? That sounds ridiculous. I know many people talking to them even this week are celebrating the holidays for the first time without loved ones there. Thinking, how could I be thankful for this? Romans 8 says that God can take all things and use them together for our good. See, it's a framework that sees our lives even though it may not be good right in the middle of it. If I'm going through it, then in the middle of it, there's a place to say thank you. But God's not done writing my story. I may not be where I wanna be, but I'm not where I was. So I'm thankful. I may not know what the future holds. Man, I'm thankful that I know the one who holds it. Faced with anxiety about my future, wondering what's gonna come of this. But if we're going through it, then there is a place and a space to be grateful. What I'm telling you today, I'm not trying to minimize your pain, but I'm saying that there is power in learning how to stay thankful, even though. See, it's gratitude at the side of a hospital bed. It's gratitude at the side of a grave. It's gratitude even in chaos and pain and confusion. That's a life well lived. To say, God, even though you, even though it was meant for evil, God used it for good. Even though it was meant to harm me, God used it. And even though I can't make sense of it, God, I thank you. It sounds simple, but it's not shallow. Hear me today. Thanks is the best thing that you have to offer to God it brings us right back into God's very presence. And so here's where we close. We say, what is Jesus teaching us about the one out of 10? Please don't leave here today and think just to feel more thankful on occasion. That's not what I'm telling you to do. It's much deeper than that. I'm telling you today, even in the, the middle of this, watch what happens with the one. It wasn't, see, it wasn't gratitude that made him well. It was his faith that made him grateful and well. It wasn't just like, oh, I said thankful and now there's the blessing because of that. Gratitude's a powerful emotion, but it's an even greater action to say, even in my faith, listen, for some people here today, saying thank you may feel like a step of faith, but it was his faith that led him to be grateful and well, see, I hope you're hearing me today. We are the lepers. We are the ones in the story who need healing. We need cleansing. And because of faith in Jesus, 
It, it actually transforms the way that we see our world that, and it enables us to not just live a life like everybody else, but enables us to live in gratitude. And faith in Jesus is what cleanses us and lets me live in a grateful heart back to God and helps me to live whole, helps me to live well. It's the power of gratitude. Paul summarizes all of this in 2 Corinthians. And he says, I just, at the end of all of this, with salvation, the only words I have left is thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. You could say thank you over and over and over again, and still it wouldn't scratch the surface of describing how good it is. All of our best thoughts, every best, the best things that we could ever think of, the best things that we could ever offer to God in praise don't even come close to fully expressing how good it is. It's the power of faith. See, the greatest gift that God gives to his people is salvation. Because salvation washes me clean from my past, but it reframes the entire way that I see my life and the world. And it tells me a story of God's goodness and of his generosity. And so my right response is to bring me back to the feet of Jesus and just say, God, I'm thankful. I wonder if there's people today that would just be willing to stand up and say, God, I'm thankful. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.